0: You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. As I said, Jesus is talking about banquets, he's talking about people in people's houses and guests and homes. Uh, These passages, all from Luke 14 onwards, it's all about hospitality, but it's really about generosity. And that's what we're going to see this morning. It's hospitality, but it's really about generosity. And that's because we learned last week that generosity comes in a range of different currencies. Uh, what, What is currency? Currency is an exchange of value. It's when you exchange value with someone for something. And so generosity comes in lots of different currencies. That's why when we were talking about generosity, it's never less than giving your money away, but it is so much more. There are lots of different currencies, the currency of time, there's the currency of service, there's the currency of ministry, there's the currency of hospitality, and of course there's the currency of money that we'll talk about too. But the reason we're looking at these currencies is because it's possible to, as we said, be technically generous and not radically generous. It's possible to look technically generous and you give away big wads of money, uh, but you withhold your privacy In your home from people. It's possible to look like you are technically generous because you give away wads of your time, but you withhold the value of your money. It's possible to look technically generous because you're giving away your time and your money, uh, but you're not willing to be accountable to someone and, and something in that. And you're not willing to do that on a regular basis. It's a currency of service. Are you with me? So it's possible to be technically generous and not radically generous. And so the whole point of this series is that generosity is the pervasive giving away of things of value in your life. The pervasive giving away of currency in all areas of your life. And this morning we come to understand an area of generosity that's, let's be honest, a bit underwhelming. It's a bit bit underwhelming, but it can be overpowering. It's underwhelming and overpowering. We're going to talk about hospitality The currency of hospitality and the generosity of that, it's, it's, it's underwhelming, but it can be overpowering. Listen to this quote from Emperor Julian in 360 AD. Why do we not observe how the benevolence of Christians towards strangers has done the most advantageous things to advance their cause? For it is disgraceful that these impious Galileans, the Christians, support not only their poor, but ours as well. And while everyone is able to see that our own people lack aid from us. You see, Christianity set the cities that they were in. Christian communities set the cities that they were in a light for God. Not just through their message and not just through their money, but through their radical generosity. Generosity of their time, generosity of their healing, generosity of their care. And so Christianity exploded primarily because people saw communities of radical generosity. Here's the question then, Northside. Would that be the naturally observable dynamic for us as a church then? That's the challenge. If we we want to see Sydney set on fire for God, if we want to see Sydney change, if we want to see your friends and my friends and your family and my family come into the church and be set alive for God, the question is, would people look and step back from us and say, man, they're a radically generous community. I don't know, that's the question we've got to ask this morning. So um, that's why we're going to look at all of this. And that's why, by the way, when we talk about generosity, I've said there's going to be no calls. There's going to be no buckets passed around at the end of the service. There's, no, there's going to be no cards for you to sign. There's no ministry sign-up sheets and expos in the foyer because we're merely sowing a seed here in our community. It says, God willing, will begin to birth that in you and I and grow that. So, are we generous? Look, if you like me, I don't know, if, you, if you're like me, I, I, before I came to this, I looked at hospitality like this. I thought hospitality was master chefing people. I thought hospitality was cooking up a nice meal. You you say things to yourself like, look, I, I don't do hospitality because I'm not good at hosting people. Or you say, I'm not good at hospitality because I don't have the gift. It's a gift, right? It's a gift. Or I'm, I'm an introvert, so... So God, and I am an introvert, by the way. God uses me to to do all the the behind-the-scenes stuff. So I—that's not for me. I don't do. I don't do hospitality. I don't do hospitality. I don't have do hospitality because I live in a shoebox. I don't have a big house. I've got a two-bedroom unit. How do you do hospitality in that? You know, I've I've got a table that's got two chairs that you sort of just have to squeeze into to get into the thing. I don't do hospitality. What I realized is when I was reading through this and studying this that uh, that's not what hospitality is about. Hopefully I'll debunk that myth of hospitality because hospitality is not master-chefing people. Here's what hospitality is. And here is generosity through hospitality. Hospitality is the indiscriminate giving away of your love, of your lifestyle and your loot hospitality is the indiscriminate giving away of your love, your lifestyle and your loot. Should we just go there this morning and look at that? That's what hospitality is about. First one, it's the indiscriminate giving away of your love. If you turn your Bibles back a bit or scroll down the electronic screen that you would have in front of you, as I said, this was one of a range of different stories. And Jesus is he's telling these stories at a soiree. He's at a religious leader's house, he's telling these stories and so he has a little message, he has a message for the people that were invited, the guests, he has the message for the hosts and then he has a message for us and so he talks to the people that are invited first and he says here in Luke chapter 14 verse 8, when someone invites you to to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honour for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited instead." So now Jesus is talking here about a very common dynamic that happened in the ancient world there. And that was if you went to, if you went to a party, if you went to a banquet, they would sit uh, the head person and the host at the head of the table. And you know you know how it works. All, all the good seats would be near the host and you would just continually progress down the table into the lesser seats down the bottom. And so when you would walk into the house, you would have to discriminate where you should be sitting up and down that table. And so Jesus was speaking into that, a very common dynamic. Now, here's the principle that he's saying here. He's saying, when you go into these scenarios, don't discriminate when you go into the room. Now, let's apply this to modern day terms. Have you ever discriminated when you go into a room? Have you you ever done this where you've, you've grabbed a cup of coffee and you've gone in and you look around and you go, um... And you, you start to you start to look at all the different people in the room. I I, maybe it's just me, but you, you look around the room and, and you look at all the different faces and you start to ask yourself questions like, uh, are they like me? Will I like them? Will they like me? Are they going to be hard work? <laughs> uh, uh, am I going to have to invest some? How important are they? Are they going to get me somewhere? Anyone ever done that? You can you can put your spiritual hand up, <laughs> okay? <laughs> but let's let, look. Let's be real here. What is that? You disc, you're you're discriminating your love for people because you're, we all do it. We we assess the room based on who is there. You assess the room. We we discriminate. We say I will engage that person either because or if I'll engage that person because they are like me or I like them, or I'll engage that person if they can do something for me. So see how we discriminate? Jesus is saying, humble yourself, go into an attitude where you don't rank everyone in the room. Instead, you see yourself as the lowest and go into that the room that way. Let me frame it up differently in regard to hospitality. There's a wonderful verse in Hebrews 13, verse 2, that it says, Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. actually relates back to a passage in, in Genesis where Abraham has these two mysterious guests that he's entertaining the whole time and they end up being angels. And so this wonderful, beautiful verse, the word entertaining there, entertain strangers, is the word, Greek word philozenia. Uh, The The back end of it sounds like a word that we would know, xenophobic. You know, xenophobic is is to be afraid. Xenophobia, to be a phobia, to be afraid of what? Of strangers. Philo meaning love. So it says there, love strangers indiscriminately. And here's what it means the currency of hospitality means to work like crazy at giving away your indiscriminate love to people who are not like you, who don't like the things you like, who are hard work, who are different. But the whole point being that the whole dynamic of Christian hospitality is that you might move into a relationship with a stranger in order that a stranger becomes a friend and a friend eventually becomes family. Isn't that how it works in the church? Put it the other way around. Uh, have, have you guys ever been to a party or a networking event where you were the only person there? You know where you, turn up, you, know, where you try to turn up like, like 35 seconds before it's about to start so you could just jump straight to the seat and you don't have to talk to anyone. But what does that feel like? Have you guys ever had that feeling that you get there and you're only one and that, that sick feeling in your stomach? You, know, when you sort of want to, want to go to the toilet, it's like it's that bad, it's just like sick feeling, you don't want to talk to anyone and you need to look for a brochure or a cup of coffee or something to distract you. Look, here's a question. What if the minute you arrive, someone totally different from you bounds into the entrance, wraps their arms around you, never met you before, said, Hey, I'm so glad you're here. Why don't you come in and meet a whole bunch of the people? Would that feel all right? Yeah. That's, that's the other dynamic. Look, question this morning, church. How do you think a non-Christian feels the minute they walk into this place? Of course, they're hanging out in Pole Lane to like... Nine twenty-nine and fifty-nine seconds, so they can just just run in here and grab a seat and move down. How how would you feel if you're in their shoes and you, you don't know them from a bar of soap? Come in, welcome, be a part of it. It's underrated, but it's overpowering, isn't it? It's underrated, but it's overpowering. Hospitality. Look, let's talk practically here. Here's the other thing: you don't need to go outside church to start indiscriminately loving strangers. In fact, church is the best place to start indiscriminately loving strangers. And you're thinking, hang on, no, we're all Christians. Yeah, but we're strange Christians. I don't know about you, but whenever I go to churches and I sit in this place, I-, I love the fact that we are a church where I-, I can walk in most mornings and I can look around to the seats to the left and right of me and say in my head, you know what, if it weren't for the love, our common love in Jesus Christ, there is no way that you and I would be hanging out this morning. <laughs> And that, that's, a, that's a healthy, beautiful thing, okay? That's a good thing. We, we, we are so vastly different ethnically, socioeconomically in this place that the only thing that holds us together is our commonality in Jesus. So it means you can start right here this morning. You can start this morning to love an indiscriminate stranger, uh, love them indiscriminately. Think about it in 20, 20 minutes' time if I wrap this thing up well you're going to spill out into the foyer and what are you going to do you're going to go to the coffee line and you walk into the foyer and you're going to go um are they are they like me do i like them do, do i know them do they know me are they going to be hard work the currency of hospitality is to is to indiscriminately love people that are different from you. And in that builds a beautiful and a wonderful dynamic where maybe, just maybe, a stranger becomes a friend and a friend becomes family. So you're indiscriminate with your love. Here's the other thing that you indiscriminately give away. You give away your lifestyle. And here's what I mean by that. In the next uh, passage, next story that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 14, he now goes from the guests and he turns to the hosts. And he says to the host, when you give a luncheon or a dinner or a party or a soiree, do not invite your friends, do not invite your brothers or sisters, don't invite your relatives or your rich neighbours, because if you do, they might invite you back, and so you will have been repaid. Now we have to understand the context here that uh, Jesus is not in the, the modern-day democratic society that we live in. He was, he was talking to a hierarchical society. A society where uh, basically if you wanted to advance up through the so-called social circles, it wasn't about what you know, it's about who you know. And so the way that you would advance through the social circles is that you would go and seek out all the person, the people of influence and you would practice hospitality and you would invite them around. Why? In the hope that they might repay the favour. They might invite you back, you might be on the inner circle of their, their life, their inner ring. And if they didn't pay you back with a meal, then maybe they paid you back in the marketplace. Maybe there was a special deal for you, an extra bit of influence. And Jesus says, don't do that. I I want my generosity to be radically different. Jesus says, open up your home. Here it is, regardless if the person could do anything for you. Now let's pause a minute here because I think we need to talk about home for a second. What home is because I'm talking to Sydney Siders. And uh, and particularly the younger generation, they're saying, "Open up my home." You mean open up my shoebox? Have you seen the size of my unit in Waverton? More than that, they said, "Have you seen my flatmates? They're crazy." <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not opening. I'm not opening up church people to my flatmates. Um. Have you seen that? We, we've, got to, we've got to define this. Because the challenge is, on one hand, we can get home envy. Have you ever been in that situation where you get a bit of home envy? You go to someone's place and you just look at the foyer and it, it just seems like something out of this world. And, and you start realizing how many pieces of your furniture you could fit just into their foyer alone. That's what I call home envy in Sydney. And see, I always think there's two types of people that uh, when it comes to home envy. There's those that have home envy and then there are liars. We have home and we think, ah, oh, if, if I just have the house that's that big, then I'll be able to practice hospitality. But the question is, what is home? You've done it. If you've been lucky enough to travel overseas, you're yearning for home. What are you yearning for? Oh, man, if I could just get, if I could get down to the beach, if I could feel the sand beneath my toes, if, if I could just sniff a gum leaf, if, if I could just eat a good Aussie steak, if I could just hear some good music again, what do you say? Ah, I'm home, don't you? Home's not your box. Home's, home's not the four walls that enclose you in. Here's what home is, and it does include your shoebox, by the way, but home is this. Home is the place that instead of draining you, it refreshes you. Home is the place that instead of draining you, it refreshes you. That's what It means now, when we see it in this way, that the point of hospitality is not to stick necessarily 15 people into a two-bedroom unit and an Ikea table. But it is the currency of hospitality is this. It is the indiscriminate giving away of your lifestyle. The indiscriminate giving away. It means hospitality is an attitude of openness about you. Is there an openness in your smile? Is there an openness in your presence? Is there an openness in the way that you greet people? Is there an openness to the way that you live? Look, think, think about it. What if, what if there was a, a, a backpacker or an expat that's just moved into Sydney? In fact, you might be someone who's in that situation right now or you've been in that recently. We have all sorts coming through this place in our proximity to Sydney. Now, What is the one thing that a backpacker or an expat needs in a city that is so relationally cold and cut off? I mean, they've got a box, and one's called a hostel and one's called a hotel. It depends on which end of the spectrum you're at. So they've already got the box. What do they need most? They need someone to say, oh, why don't you come out for a cup of coffee at my favourite cafe? Why don't, you, why, don't you come, why don't you come join us for dinner at the restaurant here? Why don't you come for a bushwalk? You've got to see the national park. You see, because for the Haddons, home for us is not just North Ride. Home for us is Sea Change Cafe at D.Y. Beach. Home for us is D.Y. Beach. Home for us is Karingai National Park. Home for us is all the places that we live out our lifestyle. So can you see how, it's, how we're redefining, we're debunking the myth here? Hospitality is not about inviting everyone into your lounge room necessarily, although you can do that. But it's just inviting someone. It can be underrated and overpowering. Anyone think that's achievable this week? Uh-uh. Anyone think that they might be able to just open up a little bit of their lifestyle to someone? Now these all intersect, by the way, and it could be a whole nother sermon because when you map these out, hospitality is the sweet spot between the three. If we had three circles, because you know you can you can love people and you can be indiscriminate with with with, with your love, but not open up your lifestyle. And in fact, you can be very generous with your lifestyle and not open up the love. In fact, generous with the lifestyle and not the love. I call that networking. So hold on. But can you see that hospitality needs to be the intersection of these three things? Here's the last one. It's it's the indiscriminate giving away of your love, your lifestyle. And the last one, hospitality is the indiscriminate giving away of your loot. And that's what we read from this morning, the parable of the great banquet. It says here in verse 16, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. And at at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for now everything is now ready. And then they begin making all sorts of different excuses. I've got a field, I've just got married, etc., etc., etc. We read that. Here's the principle here. Here's another parable. A whole sermon could be preached on it. But here's the summary of the whole thing. Huge feast put on. Huge feast, and the people that were supposed to be invited to the the feast don't turn up, and it goes begging. And what this feast and this parable tells us, and it's actually a message, just as the first story was for the guests, just as the second story was for the host, don't invite someone unless uh, you're not going to get repaid. This is the message for us. Because this banquet actually tells us about the nature of hospitality at the bigger level, the nature of the kingdom of God. Because simply it's saying the nature of hospitality is this the nature of hospitality is this, it will cost you. Look at it, I went to the butcher the other day. I fillet it is like forty eight dollars a kilogram. That's ridiculous. You can buy your wife a necklace cheaper than that per gram, you know what I'm saying? She usually hangs strips of meat round her neck, I reckon. Not a good Mother's Day gift, now that I come to think about it. But you, you go a great banquet in those days, it would have been thousands of dollars. We're talking about in the biblical imagery. This is like a week's worth of wages for this man that he has put on and no one's shown up. The whole lot's the food's going cold, the I feel it's going cold. To come in, in order for all of this to happen, it's gonna cost you. Like I said last week, we'll find too with generosity that Jesus will always push you with generosity. Jesus will always say to you through his stories, there's no line when it comes to generosity. In fact, Jesus is saying to us here in this banquet is that there's, there's more than one version of offering when you're a Christian. And it's not just the stuff that you put into the bucket or give electronically. In fact, what is this banquet? It's an offering. It's financial cost in order to be able to welcome people in. But, so it, it's going to cost you to do hospitality. And that's a wonderful, beautiful investment into the kingdom. But it also tells us about the nature of the kingdom of God. This is a picture of what heaven is going to be like. A great banquet, a feast of food, no more want, a great friends, great relationship. And God has prepared all that. John's Gospel says, my, my father has prepared you in a, a, a room in his house, and it has many rooms. But there's going to be this great feast, and they're no more hungry. Everyone's going to be there, and they're all going to be sitting around the host, the great host. It's a picture of heaven. It always is in the biblical imagery with banquets. But there was a part in here that I... I found fascinating, that he says out there, he says, okay, if, not, if, if everyone else has been distracted, then go and tell the needy and the poor, go out into the roads, go out into the country lanes and compel them to come. Why has he got to compel them? Because when you start getting down to the poor and the beggars, the way that that society worked back then is that they would never accept an invitation to a banquet. Why? Because they could never pay that back. And the master says, "No, compel them, move them, speak to them, invite them, arm alongside them into this. I am calling them into this. What is a Christian? A Christian is someone who's been compelled into the great banquet. On, on, on one hand, on one hand, there, there are the people uh, that In this modern day world that are like those that are distracted with everyone else, I'm looking after my house, I'm looking after my field, I've just been married, I'm just doing this. There's this incredible invitation from the heavenly master to say, come eat, be part of this kingdom meal, and they want nothing to do with it. And God says, go out, this is is free for all. And here's the point, God's grace might be free, but it doesn't mean that it didn't cost. What do you mean that? What do you mean it didn't cost? Now, the scriptures say, the scriptures say that, that he was crucified outside the city. In verse 12 of that Hebrews chapter 13 passage, it said, And Jesus also suffered outside the city gate in order to make the people holy through his own blood. What does this mean? It means when Jesus died, he experienced the opposite of hospitality. When you're outside the city gate, you're outside the safety, you're outside the warmth, you're outside the welcoming, you're outside, Jesus was crucified outside, he went outside so that we could be brought in. If you want want to look at the message of Jesus Christ, uh, we, we see here that it has always been God's call to his people, that he says, why should we be generous, why should we be doing this sort of stuff? God is forever saying, I am the one that plucked you out of this and brought you home. So you would be to be the ones to go into your workplaces and your neighbourhoods and your friendship groups and pluck them out and compel them to come in. First of all, into your own home and then hopefully into God's home. You see why Christians do this generosity? Because we've been brought in by his work. Don't you see that it's the ultimate definition of hospitality in Jesus Christ? He's the only one who perfectly lived out an indiscriminate love. (laughs) We, We were strange to him. I'm sure he, when he looks in and he incarnates, if he was here today, he would look at Sam Haddon and go, yeah, that guy's going to be hard work. <laughs> and he's not like me, and I don't know if he'll like me, and, but I love him indiscriminately. He opens up his lifestyle, he mod- models his life and shows us how to live, and he invites us into that. But most of all, we see in the picture of Jesus Christ in God, he was indiscriminate with his loot. You know What is loot? You're informal, informal money things still of value. God gave away the thing of ultimate value so that we could be brought in. Oh, we're, we're out of time. Uh, I, pens down, application. You can just write the points. What does it look like? Because some people are going to go, what, what does it look like? Open up your homes to your neighbours. Many won't come. But open them up anyway. I know Cl- uh, one of our guys, Clive Way, he invited his whole street for dinner earlier on in this year. And people came. People came because it's so radically different in Sydney that someone invite you to their house just for dinner. He letterboxed the whole street and they came. (laughs) Open up your spiritual home to your family uh, and friends. Just open up the sense of what God is doing in your life. Open up your table. Eat informally a lot more with Christians and your brothers and sisters. We get too formal about all this sort of stuff. Open that up. Host a small group. Shove 15 people into your shoebox. Okay, It will work, and it is a spiritual act, but open up a small room. Serve in a ministry. Anne Robinson, the incredible job that she does with our hospitality roster. I hope that anyone who is serving in that ministry, or anyone who will serve in that ministry, sees that it is something so much more than a trifold bit of paper. Every person that is on the communion and the door and the foyer... I hope, if they haven't already, are going into this saying, I'm going to welcome a stranger in the hope that that, that stranger will become a friend and that friend will become family. They, they, I said there was no call, so I, I, won't, I won't go there. <laughs> Mingle time. That little doozy that we do every week. Oh, don't you think about it. Why do they do this every week so the band can play a new, drinky little song? No. Wonder, wonderful, wonderful time that was called the passing of the peace in the old days, in which people would greet each other and they would pass the peace. They people would hope that in church they sat next to a stranger, so a stranger could become a friend and a friend would become family. Friend, don't it's 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 underrated, underestimated, but it is overpowering, is it not? For a stranger, an expat, or a backpacker to walk into Northside Church and to be greeted and welcomed warmly during mingle time, oh man, we've got a We've got to repent of our small-mindedness when it comes to these things. That's the application. Let me me finish this morning. I want to finish at the risk of... I want to finish at the risk of sounding like the Pharisee that I talked about last week in the latter chapter in Luke 18. Because I've got a, I've got a habit that I've established mid last year that I just love. But I, I get up early on Sunday mornings and I go down to Circular Quay to prayer walk Circular Quay and to pray over the city. I believe that if Northside's going to change the city, then we need to pray over the city. And I look at every building and, and, and I think of the people. I know, yeah, Craig's working at Macquarie, so I'm praying over that building there. And I know Sandy's in AMP, and there's an the AMP, so I'm praying for her there. and kingdom of heaven is like yeast anyway that's a whole other sermon but anyway i was there to pray this morning and i'm standing there looking at the opera house and there's no cruise ships in so i could have a clear view and i'm there st- praying fervently as you do as a pastor almost like the pharisee the holy man oh lord look i pray that you're just going to open up the heavens this morning heavenly father and that you're going to work through me and that you would just preach a miracle and people's eyes and hearts would be open and that there would be an explosion of hospitality in Northside. and all, and i'm just working myself up into a spiritual ladder here and out of the corner of my eye, I realized behind me um, was sitting a homeless man, and we're the only two guys in all of Circular Key at quarter to seven in the morning. And the Holy Spirit just hit me. And here I am reciting my outline for you all. Yes, hospitality is the indiscriminate the giving away of your love and your lifestyle and your suit uh, and, and your loot. Love, lifestyle, loot. Give And this guy's still sitting out of the corner of my eye. I just gave up on the prayer. And for the first time, and this is why I'm not like the Pharisee, for the first time, I reckon ever, not ever, but I don't do it all that often, and that's why this is not a good story on my part. Instead of praying, instead of hoping that we're, God's going to do a mighty miracle in this place, I just walked to McDonald's. And I bought a sausage and egg McMuffin meal. And I walked back and I said, Lord, if it's your will, that guy's still going to be there. I went back and I just sat down next to him and I put my arm around him and I said, brother, would you like breakfast this morning? And he just looked up and he said, thanks, man. And I said, life may not feel like it at the moment, but you've got to just know that God loves you. And then I walked off. Now, was there some big evangelistic conversation? No. Was there... Was there did I get to know him? I don't even know his name. I didn't want to... I just... I just want to practice hospitality. And the whole point is, I realized this morning that you and I don't need any more theology when it comes to this issue. We don't need theology, we just need some intentionality, church. I do, at least. And that's the whole point. Are we going to go into this with, as John Piper calls it, a strategic Hospitality. What I realized this morning was I, I was not embodying a strategic hospitality. I was not turning up in every moment of life thinking, how can I, in the smallest ways, give of my love, my lifestyle, my loot? Piper says, when we do that, when you practice hospitality, you experience the refreshing joy of becoming conduits of God's hospitality rather than being self decaying cul de sacs. Do you get the imagery? I don't think we need theology. (laughs) We just need some intentionality. Let's pray.